and it's called the land of the brave. The whole world knows our name. One Welcome to the Woke is Broke podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joshua Stanko. And uh, somebody was kind enough to inform me the other day that apparently it's Black History Month, which is a really, really big deal because the 11 months out of the year that isn't Black History Month, uh, we just don't pay attention to black people at all or enough, apparently, especially in movies, music, news, magazines, um, and literally every other form of medium out there. We just pretend that they don't exist. But Black History Month, very, very important. Um, which is why I thought it was important to inform you, my audience, and uh, also to inform myself what we can do as white people so as to not offend black people, so as not to be racist towards them. And I thought if I was going to do that, I really needed to sit down with a black person and get their take on all this. And, uh, you know, I'll be perfectly honest, it didn't, due to my own privilege, it didn't even occur to me that we do actually have a couple of black people here in the studio at, at all times anyway. So I thought it was important for us to sit down with the Barbados Rum Police man right here and uh, get his take on uh, Black History Month. To get, I'm sorry, to get his take on what we as white people can do so as not to offend black people. So uh, what is your name? Jamal Wahanzi. I see, I see. Well, Jamal, uh, thank you for uh, joining us in this segment. No, 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 it's not Jamal, it's Jamal Wahanzi. One word. That, you're saying that that is your, your first name, Jamal Wahanzi. Correct. I see, I see. And w what is your last name, if you don't mind me asking? I do mind you asking, you racist Okay, we are off to a shaky start right here, but uh, Jamal, uh, why don't you tell our audience here what we as white people can do so as not to offend black people? Well, before I answer that question, I think it's very important that we establish what is racist. Okay, I see. Uh, well, uh, Jamal Hunzi, uh, go ahead. Uh, first off, band-aids are racist. You're saying band-aids are racist. Correct. How exactly are band-aids racist? Well, you see, they are flesh-toned in color, meaning that they uh, wear, look very nicely on the white people, but not so much on the black people, and for that reason, uh, band-aids are racist, correct? I see. Okay, well, why don't we continue down this, this list of racist things. Well, let's see. Uh, thanks to the Super Bowl commercial for Google, we are all now can recognize openly that cameras are also racist. Oh, Jamal Wanzi, I have to admit, I saw that commercial, and by the looks of it, the pictures that they provided, it, it, to emphasize the cameras don't pick up black people quite as nicely, none of those photos were properly lit. I mean, we have lights in the studio here uh, to make sure that I come out okay. Wouldn't it make more sense to suggest that if you just lit the area better that maybe black people would appear in better lighting and that sort of thing? No, not at all, you racist piece of crap. Cameras are racist. Do not interfere with my truth again or I shall strike you. 
I see. Okay, well, I don't want to go there. Okay, uh, well, <clears throat> please, by all means, continue your truth. Jamal Wahansi. Uh, let's see. Math is also racist. Rent is racist. Policing is racist. Wait, 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 wait. When you say policing is racist, are you suggesting that, you know, arresting and prosecuting people who commit crimes is racist? Only if they are black. Yes, in that case, it is absolutely racist. That doesn't really seem really fair, though, does it? Uh, what did I say about interfering with my truth? Now you've incurred the laugh. Ah! I'm really sorry for interfering with your truth, Jamal. Just don't hit me anymore, man, please. Okay, okay, let's continue. Uh, police officers are also racist. Teachers are racist. The medical system is racist. Medicine is racist. And of course, all white people are also racist. This concludes my truth on the matter, you dogs. Oh, oh God, he really got me good right in the eye. Oh, um, well that concludes the, the racial truth presented to you by Jamal Ahanzi. Um, and I'll be perfectly clear, it sounds like the only way to avoid offending black people is to not be white and um, to avoid using or doing literally anything. But with that enlightening message brought to you, that is how we at this podcast are going to honor Black History Month and all of the deeply oppressed minorities in this country. Um, in any event, we're, I guess we're just, we're just going to move on. Oh. So CNN is doing their part to enlighten people when it comes to Black History Month. And uh, they had an article up that uh, I mean, we we've certainly we've certainly covered uh, articles that were racist on this podcast before, but uh, it 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 never ceases to amaze me with the left how every time you think that there's a level that they just can't possibly get any lower, sure enough, there's some cockroach who sticks his head up and lets you know, hey, no, it can get even lower than this, and then just resets the bar again. And uh, that's what they're doing over at CNN, thanks to a stunning, stunning, amazing racially enlightened journalist over there by the name of Dante Stewart in an article that he wrote for CNN called We Redefined Blackness as a World and a Gift. And let's just see the enlightened ramblings of this man right here who by all accounts is absolutely not a racist and somebody that we need to really, really pay attention to, shall we? Let's be clear, black history is not about saving America or white people. Black history is about us. In a moment where we still live in what James Baldwin called in the fire next time, the loveless world, a moment still defined by banning black books, exploiting black creativity, stifling black freedom, harming black life, we need to remember who we are and why we tell black stories. Of course, there is no singular black experience, no one way to see us or know us, but there is something distinctly black about the way we take what we have and turn it black. And even then, many people still fail to see the myriad of ways we create life and live beyond the limits of, white, of the white imagination. That's just wildly racist right there. We must remember, white people made blackness a curse and a sin. Let me, re let me rephrase that. That statement is wildly racist. 
We redefine blackness as a world and a gift. Black history is not simply asking, how can I remember and learn about black people? It is all of us asking how we can love black people by seeing them, hearing them, and creating a world where black people feel seen, inspired, and protected. There are those who seem to think our lives are just lessons, somehow reducing us to helping white people to get it. My mind cannot escape the simple fact that so many people ran to, to our books and to our art or to the streets in 2020 believing that simply reading or marching would somehow magically change the white supremacist power structure so pervasive in our country without fundamental change in how we live together. Just two years later, after all the anti-racist work and organizing, we are dealing once again with white backlash on one hand and white exhaustion on the other. Some want to erase us, others want to control us. This misses the power of our living. We neither must be perfect or in performance to stay alive. We neither must be exceptional or superhuman. None of that is necessary. The power is that we are here. And to use Baldwin's often missed words at the end of Letter from a Region in My Mind, we are indeed beautiful. Okay, so there is a lot of things to get into in regards to that racist bilge. I just read for you, right? And one of the things is this. In this article, it prop this guy, this douchebag, uh, advances an idea. Uh, it isn't an old idea or an original idea by any means. It's one we've heard for a while now. But it's the idea that if you are black, that somehow this makes you inherently special. That somehow you're, the color of your skin makes you inherently special. It does not. Any more than I am inherently special because of the color of my skin or anyone else is inherently special because of the immutable characteristics that they possess. You didn't choose to be black, okay? That does not make you special. I didn't choose to be white. It does not make me special. You are not special because of the color of your skin. You are not special because of your immutable characteristics. To suggest that you are is an act of racism, right? Because what is racism? What is the actual definition of racism? It's the idea that a race is superior or inferior due to the color of your skin. The idea that any race is special because the color of their skin is racist. It is a lie. Plain and simple. The other thing that he pushes in this article is this thing that we've he heard over and over and over again is black culture, right? The idea that black people are inherently linked to one another, right? As though they share the same culture, as though they share the same books, the same arts, the same, right? Or, or as he puts it, black books, right? Black art, black songs, black culture, right? Is this all, as if all of the people are just inherently tied together because of the color of their skin. Again, they are not. Jamaica, black people in Jamaica have a culture. They have a culture. Is it the same culture as, say, uh, Haitian immigrants living in Louisiana? No, it is not. Is it the same as black Indians living in India right now? No, it is not. It is because there is no such thing as black culture. Culture is the product of traditions that you are taught, that you learn, and that are usually specific to a particular region, right? And so you have Jamaican culture, you have Haitian culture, you have Indian culture, right? You have American culture. These are all cultures. There is no, but there is no such thing as black culture, all right? And there is no such thing as black people being inherently tied to one another because of the color of their skin. You cannot be inherently tied to somebody because of immutable characteristics, right? I am a Catholic, right? I'm a Catholic Christian, which means that I believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God who redeemed me, who saved me, from one of the darkest, ugliest moments in my life and brought me up here and put me on this stage and 
and just gave me the opportunities and the gifts and the talents that I have that allow me to do this, to do something that I feel called to do. I'm a Catholic, right? I'm a Christian. And as such, that means that I can go to any Catholic church anywhere in the world. It could be in Russia. It could be in Belgium. It could be in the state of Tennessee. I could go into any Catholic church and I will be connected with everyone in that church. Why? Because I'm connected through my faith. I'm connected in something that we as Catholics chose to believe, chose to follow, and are living a truth together. We are united in our traditions. We are united in our faith. We are united in our beliefs. That is how we are tied together. The idea that, I, but the idea that he is propagating right here is that I, as a white person, am inherently tied to, say, the slave owner from 300 years ago because of the color of my skin, despite the fact that neither my family on my mother's side or my father's side resided in the U.S. until 1899 and in northern territories at that. You cannot be inherently tied or connected to people because of your immutable characteristics. All right? That is not what culture is. Again, culture, set of beliefs, set of traditions, set of values that you learn or that you choose to learn or that you choose to believe or that you choose to integrate into your life. And, you know, I, I, I've got to say it's for that reason. It's because of what culture actually is. It's because of being connected with people by your beliefs, by your value system, why I can absolutely, absolutely confidently say that I, as a white man, have a hell of a lot more in common with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. due to my values and due to my beliefs than Dante Stewart ever will for being black. And the idea that these stewards of justice have any right to talk about oppression, have any right to talk about racism, when they can go out there and say white people made blackness a curse, it is not just laughable at best, it makes me angry at best. And it ought to make you angry, too. Because evil is an offensive thing. It is an offensive thing to lay your eyes on. It is an offensive thing to hear. And make no mistake, everything in that article is absolutely evil. It is the antithesis of everything that Martin Luther King Jr. marched against, fought against, spoke against. It is everything against. Everything and everyone in the civil rights movement fought against, too. And the idea that he has more in common with the people of the Civil Rights March because of the color of their skin, despite his beliefs, is disgusting. It is an absolute lie. And the idea that you are inferior because of the color of your skin if you're white, that is an outright evil lie. And the idea that you are inherently victimized because of the color of your skin or that you are inherently beautiful or inherently superior because of the color of your skin if you're a minority in this country is also a disgusting lie. It was told in reverse 60 years ago, it's being told now. It's evil and it's wrong and it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Moving on. All right, now that I've had a chance to breathe out of a paper bag for about the last 15 minutes, let's get into something a little bit calmer, shall we? Uh, societal breakdowns in particular. Okay, so a 15-year-old, emphasis on 15, a 15-year-old TikTok star with 1.2 million followers had kind of a rough ordeal over the last week. Her name, Eva Marjorie, the ordeal, an 18-year-old Eric Johnson, yes, Eric Johnson, uh, stalked her, 
broke into her home with a shotgun and was shot and killed by her father, who is a former, who, yes, who, who is a former police officer. Um, let's get into the, the specifics of it, shall we? So allegedly, uh, Mr. Johnson sent Ava hundreds of messages on social media. He even paid her classmates for information about the TikToker, according to her family. Scary, scary stuff right there. Now, Ava's parents told the New York Times they allowed their daughter to sell Johnson two selfies for $300 cash. Then he started asking her for explicit photos, the family said. I had an opportunity to actually text this person and say, hey, she's a minor and you need to not contact her anymore, and we notify the authorities. Her dad, Rob Majory, 51, told NBC. But Johnson was not deterred. Last summer, he arrived at their doorstep with a gun and started firing shots through the front door, the family said. Somebody had attempted to breach the door with, I presume, the shotgun, Rob Marjorie recalled. All I remember was I heard it, I felt in my chest, and I looked up, and there was a hole in my door from the fra fragments, Ava said. So this, this psychopath shot in the door of their home with a shotgun. Proceeded to break in. The ex-cop grabbed his gun and waited for police to arrive. He said Johnson returned with a shotgun and refused to drop it. At that point, I took action and neutralized the threat, Rob Majory said. Right, so he saved his daughter, right? He, he saved his wife, um, saved himself from a dangerous and disturbed individual, right? Um, should be a happy story, right? Not so much. Not so much. So, let me just break this down a little bit. You know, I remember going to the pediatrician when I was a little kid, right, sitting in the lobby waiting. And, uh, you know, there'd always be this kind of collection of toys that, you know, that you could play with to occupy yourself with while you're waiting for the doctor to come out or whatever, you know, as a little kid. And I remember as time went on, you know, going to the doctor's office and instead of seeing kids play with little toys in the corner, I'd see little kids doing this, right? They'd be on their phones, right? They'd be on their tablets. These little, little kids, right? And parents just give them to them. Why? Because it's easier, right? I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to is, is bad parenting, right? Right? And that's what we're seeing here. A 15-year-old girl, 15, is an online star with 1.2 million followers. Her parents let her go out there and parade herself around on the internet for the entertainment of strangers and then let her sell photos of herself for cash online to a man who would eventually come down and try to kill her and kill them. That is the fault of the parents. That is the fault of the parents for creating a situation in which their daughter was unsafe. As a parent, it is your job to protect your child, to put their needs and uh, their well-being well ahead of your own. You know, there's an old trick for dieting goes something like this when you when you go for the bag of potato chips right you ask yourself do I love myself more than this bag of potato chips right the same can be applied to parenting when your kid comes to you and says I want to put out online videos of myself to the appeasement of millions of strangers question is it easy is it easier to just let the kid do what they want sure but do I love my child more more than I love myself in this moment Ava Mar Marjorie's parents did not. They did not. I don't know, that's a, that's a pretty strong accusation. But hey, your job is to protect your kids and to protect them from themselves, and you didn't do that. You're bad parents. 
You are bad parents, and this is entirely and 150% your fault for creating circumstances in which circumstances that never, ever, ever, ever should have existed for this little girl. Period. End of story. And even if it didn't devolve into this, even if it didn't result in a stalker, guess what? It still would have been wrong. There is a reason when you look at childhood movie stars why they end up so screwed up. It is because a child needs normalcy, needs stability, and there is nothing normal or stable about the celebrity lifestyle. Nothing at all. This girl, no doubt, will be screwed up for life, sparing a, a miracle of some sort, or just a lot of therapy, maybe both. And that is because as their parents, they didn't do their damn job. They didn't put their needs and the overall well-being of their daughter ahead of what was easier for them as parents to do, to just sit back and do nothing, really. So no, this man is not a hero for stopping the stalker. Those parents are not heroes. They're damned failures who failed to protect their child, who failed to do their duty as parents. And that is our societal update for the day. It is now time for a favorite segment of mine, international news. Okay, so the word is out. Apparently the Russians have been given the go-ahead to invade Ukraine at this point. Scary stuff could happen in any day now, it's just, uh, sadly, it's just a matter of waiting. Um, but according to the Washington Post, the United States has informed the United Nations it has credible information showing that Moscow is compiling lists of Ukrainians to be killed or sent to camps following a military occupation, according to a letter to the UN Human Rights Chief obtained by the Washington Post on Sunday. Now, the letter alleges that Moscow's post-invasion planning would involve torture, forced disappearances, and widespread human suffering. It does not describe the nature of the intelligence that undergirds its assessment. Now, of course, Russia is just straight up denying these claims. According to the Kremlin spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, he says, Do you realize that it's an absolute... Oh, I'm sorry, hang on. Do you realize that this is an absolute canard, a lie? It is absolute fiction. There is no such list. It is fake. Right, complete and utter fiction, right? That after Russia is finished, invading Ukraine in a totally unprovoked act of aggression, that they would start targeting dissidents, journalists, right, politicians, innocent civilians, and that they would ship them off to camps. Complete and utter fiction that they would ever try something like that. Must be why Alexei Navalny, right, the leader of the Russian dissident movement, is still rotting in a Russian prison right now. And his sole crimes, mind you, exposing corruption in the Kremlin and standing against Vladimir Putin, right? On top of what, another alleged crime of his, surviving an assassination attempt on his life that was put out by the Russian government. Right, this guy still rotting in jail. It must be why even to this day, even as recently as, as a year and a half ago, Russia was still shipping off people to Siberia for their religious beliefs and their political beliefs and for dissenting against Putin, right? Okay, so when Russia says that they are not targeting journalists, they are not going to target dissenters, they are lying to you. And the fact that nobody, nobody in the White House seems to give a crap about this is astounding. And how do I know? How do I know that nobody in the White House seems to give a crap about this? Well, maybe it's because Joe Biden himself, after openly announcing that Ukraine will invade in just uh, several short days, right, after announcing that the invasion will be 
quote, a bloody, destructive war, that they still, still have not implemented any sanctions whatsoever. Fox News pressed them, pressed Jen Psaki in particular on this just the other day. Let's hear that real quick, shall we? Ukraine. Um, the sanctions we've learned don't include SWIFT. Uh, they don't target energy, so the impacts to other countries are mitigated. Um, you guys have attributed this cyber attack to Russia, and you're warning that the prospect of war is, uh, or peace rather, is pretty dim. So at, at what point do you break away from the strategy, say it's not working, and, and do something else, impose some of these sanctions now? Well, I think as we've talked about a little bit in here, our collective view from our national security team is that uh, sanctions are meant to be a deterrent. To die before implementing them in that case. I think, Jackie, that's in no way a fair statement or accusation, I guess, if that's what that is. Uh, what we have done and what the president has done is unite uh, countries around the world on a strong uh, package that will be crippling to the Russian economy. Uh, and we have done that uh, in a way where we have stood up for the territorial integrity of, uh, of, uh, of Ukraine uh, and stood with our NATO partners and allies. But that's it, right? That's it. They are waiting for people to die before doing anything because they don't want to do anything because they're a bunch of gutless, self-involved cowards. And they know that sanctions, even if they implemented them, are still not going to do anything. And they know this. How? Because the Russians know this, and they've been open about it. According to the Russian ambassador to Sweden, he said, Excuse my language, but we don't give a shit about all their sanctions. We have already had so many sanctions, and in that sense, they've had a positive effect on our economy and our agriculture. New sanctions are nothing positive, but not as bad as the West make it out to to sound, according to Viktor Tarantsev, the Russian ambassador to Sweden. Again, there's the Russian ambassador to Sweden saying what all Democrats know, and that their sanctions are not going to do jack crap to prevent this invasion. And yet, you have Anthony Blinken out there saying, well, respond strong and swiftly. You have Jen Psaki out there. That's not a, it's not fair to say we're waiting for people to die. We're going to implement these sanctions. We're going to save lives. Baloney. Baloney. You know it's not going to do anything. And you're not even doing that anyways. You're not even doing the bare minimum. You're not even giving the slightest effort. It's because to Joe Biden and his cronies, there is no person too toxic, no, no person too toxic, no regime too evil, no loss of human life too great to get that old fart, to grow a pair of cojones and to stand up for what's right, to stand up for innocent human life. It is because he is a weakling and a coward. And the people who stick their hand up his butt and move his mouth around like a puppet, they're cowards too. And that is painfully apparent to the rest of the world. It's been painfully apparent since the fall of Afghanistan. Right? At least going into office to people who didn't know Joe Biden's checkered history when it comes to foreign affairs, foreign policy. Um, at least you could look to the guy and say, well, we don't really know how he's going to lead militarily. We, we got some ideas, but it hasn't been tested yet. But then Afghanistan came, abandoning Bagram Air Base, uh, uh, abandoning our own citizens, hundreds, thousands of our own citizens, abandoning hundreds of thou thousands of our Afghan allies, leaving Christians to die to the Taliban, leaving millions of women to be subjugated and raped by the Taliban, getting 13 of our own U.S. service members killed and then checking his watch at the funeral, getting a U.S. aid worker and his seven children killed 
in a poorly vetted attack, right, for which there have still been no consequences. No consequences to, the, to our people who dropped bombs on a U.S. aid worker and his seven children. No consequences for that yet, mind you, right? The world to see, for the world to see, Joe Biden led in tens of thousands of unvetted Afghan citizens into this country. We're going to get to that in just a minute, right? And again, meanwhile, abandoning our citizens, Christians, women, and our allies over there. There is no moment more crystal clear to the rest of the world that Joe Biden is a dementia-ridden coward who does not care about anyone or anything other than himself and his own ambitions. He doesn't have the balls to stand up to Putin. He doesn't have the balls to stand up to China. He doesn't have the balls to stand up to North Korea. He doesn't have the balls to stand up to a freaking Girl Scout, for God's sakes. And yet this is the guy, this is supposed to be our savior. After four long years of hearing Trump, he's a Russian crony, Trump, he's in Vladimir Putin's pockets. He can't stand up to the Russians. This is the guy who's going to bring unity and peace to the world. This is the guy who's going to restore the divisions in our country. Give me a break. Nobody's buying that crap anymore. They haven't been buying it since Afghanistan. They haven't been buying it since he got out on a stage and said that half the country who disagrees with them are akin to Jim Crow segregationists and slave owners who would stand against Martin Luther King Jr. and Abraham Lincoln. Nobody's buying this Grandpa Willie, bring them all together, let's hold hands and sing Kubaya anymore from this guy. It is painfully apparent that he is a divisionist that he's a weakling and a coward, and that everyone who stands by him is a weakling and a coward. And that is why every available poll, when it comes to the elections in November, show that Democrats are gonna get their, they're gonna get their clocks knocked for sure. There's no way around that now. They're trying to backtrack a little bit, right? Nancy Pelosi, she was out there the other day saying that defund the police is dead. It's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter. You can redistrict New York however you like. You can walk back some of your more radical policies the fact of the matter is, is that people have been suffering now for two freaking years in this country. They look to what their government is doing overseas, abandoning our people. They look to what the government is doing in this country. They aren't buying anymore that it's due to corporate greed that inflation is out of control, right? They aren't buying that things are somehow better now due to uh, a, a rise in economic growth. They know that's a lie because things still suck. You can't go to the grocery store and find what you need. You can't go to the grocery store and find a cashier to buy the stuff that you need. Nobody's buying their BS anymore. People are waking up one by one by one by one. And they're gonna feel it in the polls and they're starting to feel it a hell of a lot when it comes to the culture. Thanks to Ben Shapiro's company, The Daily Wire, putting out movies, putting out TV shows. Thanks to people like Kid Rock putting out uh, putting out anti-woke songs, right? There's more and more conservative material available on the market now. More and more competitors to Facebook and Twitter, right? You have Trump releasing a social media a website, right? You have Rumble growing exponentially, mind you. Right, these are alternatives that are starting to get their feet solid, solidly planted, right? In the wake of just woke dominance over freaking everything. And so Joe Biden, his lackeys, and his corporate cronies who do their who do his bidding, they're gonna feel it in their pockets, they're gonna feel it in the polls. That punch is coming. They better get ready for it. That's all I can say on that. International news concluded.
Okay, so good news and bad news. So bad news, today's episode ran a little bit longer than I was anticipating, which means we weren't really able to cover everything that I was hoping to cover. Good news is we're going to be having an additional bonus episode tomorrow, Tuesday, covering everything that's going on in Canada. There are a lot of updates that happened over the weekend, some really uh, shocking and important stuff to know about. Um, so keep an eye out for that tomorrow, Tuesday. Don't worry, the main episode on Wednesday is still going to air on, on Wednesday. We're just releasing an additional episode tomorrow is all. Um, but in any event, if you haven't hit that notification button, definitely hit that notification button. If you haven't subscribed, definitely please subscribe. Leave a comment, like the video if you can, helps the algorithms and all that. Um, but uh, in any event, I am Joshua Stanko saying please stay safe, please stay informed, and God bless, guys. I sincerely mean that. God bless you guys. We'll catch you next time.